Welcome to the NutraCast, a production by Nutra Ingredients USA. I'm Danielle Masterson. Thank you for joining me here on the NutraCast, where we talk and share insights from inside the nutrition industry. Interest in personalized nutrition is surging, increasing more than threefold between 2017 and 2019, with more than a billion people worldwide diagnosed with diet-related diseases. Cost for their care has jumped to over $1 trillion a year. Now more than ever, the healthcare industry is under pressure, and personalized nutrition might just be the key. In its latest report, Lux Research looked into why so many high-profile companies have failed at personalized nutrition and outlined framework on how businesses can succeed. Joining me now to tell us more about this report and the role of personalized nutrition in healthcare is Dr. Sarah Olson, one of the research directors at Lux Research. Welcome to the NutriCast, Sarah. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. So in your latest report, Lux Research outlines its framework for constructing a successful strategy. Can you tell me a little bit about what is covered in this framework? Yeah, of course. So it essentially comes from the fact we uncovered this interesting conundrum. So many people want to have a personalized way to keep healthier, whether it's a lifestyle or diet change, something like maintaining or managing weight, or as you said, staving off one of these intensely expensive metabolic diseases. And scientifically, there do exist data sources that can help make personalized recommendations, whether it's your genetic makeup, your gut microbiome, something like that. And yet we're seeing one provider after another just flail and fail in their attempts to combine these things. And so we were feeling like there was a missing piece in all of that to explain those failures in what should otherwise be a really successful and growing space. And that's where the framework comes in. So the four P's is actually a classical framework for successful marketing of products and services. We didn't invent it. Actually, it was developed by a a Harvard Business School professor in the 50s or so. And we took as a hypothesis that this framework might help explain what's going on in personalized nutrition, since at its core, personalized nutrition is really a consumer-oriented service. So the four elements there are product, price, people, and partnership. And they're all more or less equally important. So our analysis really showed um, dropping the ball on even one of those four. It's enough to derail what otherwise would be a successful case. You looked at some pretty high profile companies. Campbell's divested 75 million into Habit. And then also in 2019, Ubiome and Aravale. Those were backed by 110 million and 53 million, respectively. All of those operations ceased. What did you find between those three companies? <laughs> Lots of really sad investors. <laughs> no, other than that. <laughs> so, the, uh, interestingly, so in the analysis, uh, Habit and Aravale had a lot more in common than Ubiome. So, I'll start with the two of them. So, they both had failings on multiple fronts. So, Habit, uh, essentially, their offering wasn't really personal enough to be sticky or effective. And then that relationship with Campbell's actually proved to be more of an anchor than an engine in kind of a a unique way. There was some internal turmoil, it seemed, at Campbell's that maybe there wasn't full buy-in into how to integrate with Habit. So they had chosen what could be a really promising partnership, and it didn't actually do what they wanted it to. For Aravale, it was a little different. It was an over-engineered solution at an extremely high price point, sort of the ultra-premium, ultra-customized ideal and ended up alienating a lot of the potential customer base, sort of the average person who might be willing to pay less for a slightly less intense service. When we come to Ubiome now, that's a really fascinating case. So if you look at the analysis that we did across three of the four Ps, they get 
big green check marks, great product, reasonable price, strong partnering and funding success. And then it's people let it down. It was a combination of inexperience in the personalized nutrition realm itself, and then some really extremely unsavory business practices. And that was the death knell really for what otherwise could have been sort of the shining example of success we could have been talking about. This whole almost there personalized nutrition space had an almost winner and that fourth P just got them. I saw that chart and I was curious what those people did that could have brought the whole company down. Can you go into a little bit more about some of their business practices or? Sure. Yeah. So I believe there's actually still an FBI investigation ongoing. I'm not certain what the status is at the moment, but the accusations included things like insurance fraud in the U.S. So double billing essentially for the same product or service twice to a person's insurance because they were actually using a reimbursement structure using someone's medical insurance to help defray the cost, which is a really viable strategy if you're doing things above board. And in addition, there seemed to have been some inappropriate use of relationships with doctors ordering tests that ostensibly were to be used to then inform those personalized nutrition recommendations. But so essentially you had some nefarious financial and insurance related practices going on essentially negating all the, all the scientific good and, and other business good uh, the company had been doing and building. Wow. So I was going to ask you, when it comes to these companies, were they lacking all four Ps or was it just one or two? But it sounds like, as you mentioned, even just one could just bring the whole company down. It's absolutely true. Um, it, it can be as simple as just one. I think in case of Ubiome, there wasn't quite enough oversight within the management organization of the company or too many folks within the management organization had a different interpretation of what was legal or, or good practice. There wasn't enough of a balancing influence to, to write the ship in that case. Now, the role of personalized nutrition in healthcare is evolving, and the report suggests that in order to be successful, personalized nutrition companies have to evolve along with that. So how so? What are some examples that you could maybe give us? Yeah, of course. So we looked at this again along the lines of each of those four Ps because, it's, as you say, the entire space needs to evolve and become really more responsive to the needs of those consumers and the major industry players that might be considering investment or partnership in the space. So anybody who's going to be successful is going to have to address all four of these Ps. So on the product front, we really see the introduction and uptake of multifaceted models, things that allow users to self-select to drive retention. So self-select specific services or levels of service or intensity of testing and so on. On the price front, at least in terms of upfront and out-of-pocket costs, those have to come down. And that can look like an insurance reimbursement model, although don't commit any fraud. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, that can look like finding ways to monetize collected data streams to offset the cost to your actual users. There's ways to get creative there, but prices need to come down. In terms of the people, this one, I mean, I think the cautionary tale of Ubiome speaks for itself, but really thinking about business development and business strategy experience in your leadership is relevant and really with an emphasis on consumer product development because at its core, personalized nutrition is really a consumer-oriented service and other than for folks who are trying to manage a metabolic disease or stave off the development of type 2 diabetes, really a lot of the folks who are going to be interested in personalized nutrition will be looking for a consumer health or a consumer wellness type of product or service. So you really need to keep that in mind. And then finally, 
from the partnership front, partnerships are going to play a central role, but a really different role, not these big eye-popping $100 million investments and so on. What we really expect to see is smaller scale pilots becoming the norm rather than those high profile and, and sort of mega investment rounds. So really what, what that's coming from is strategic investors are, I mean, as you can understand, they're pretty wary of the space. <laughs> I mean, I would be. And smaller pilots, they really help to de-risk any new venture. And then you, you have an attempt to sort of have some early wins, show progress in the right direction, and then you can grow from there rather than have to make an all or nothing bet ahead of time. As you went through this report and, and did all of your research, who did you speak to? Did you speak to company executives? Did you speak to consumers? And, or who would you say kind of helped you build this data the most? Yeah, that's a great question. So at Lux, we really pride ourselves on doing primary research, using interview conversations as frequently as possible. In the case of the three case studies, all three of those companies we did speak to directly Generally, we try to speak to folks within the C-suite just to get a, a very straightforward story. We focus a lot on the, the science and technology whenever possible. And then we also spent a lot of time following up with the uh, strategic investors who either already had made investments into the personalized nutrition space or, or who didn't for, for various reasons. So Lux doesn't do conventional uh, consumer research, so we didn't go out and talk to any users, but we did talk to developers and then investors and would-be investors. As you spoke with them over time, did they have any second thoughts on the way they did things, or did they kind of give you some information on their thought process and how they came to the conclusions that they came to? You know, it's interesting. There wasn't a really specific sort of central thesis that emerged. There seems to be a fair bit of hand-wringing and sort of shrugging of shoulders of, I don't know why this is not working from folks in the space, because uh, sort of as we were talking about earlier, the, the science is there. There are lots of companies that are pretty good at making sort of personalized services platforms for consumers. All the pieces should be in place. And that's part of why, I mean, part of the reason that we we did this analysis was to help our clients who are trying to find success in personalized nutrition and, and really struggling to understand why it's so difficult. Making things even more difficult is the current times right now. I know you don't have any specific data on COVID, but could you kind of speculate if COVID has stifled the R&D process or somehow impacted the personalized nutrition space at all? Sure. So what we are seeing broadly as a result of COVID is companies are tending to get more conservative and get more risk averse. And one of the places that's manifesting is in shrinking or wholly shutting down innovation and open innovation groups. So uh, sort of a, a circling of the wagons, if you will, around core business, core R&D, line extensions, things like that. That really serves to slow down, if not stop, efforts that would otherwise help a business grow into new areas. The idea is sort of being, well, let's wait it out. Now's not the right time to start something new. Corporations are worried about uh, cash flow and things like that. So it, it's understandable. But what that really does is it, it aligns with that projection that smaller scale pilots are going to be the norm, sort of putting a toe in the water, taking small steps, cheap steps toward new ventures is really what we're expecting to see in the semi longer term coming out of sort of COVID impacts. With the idea that we could come out of COVID, now there has been a lot of people speculating about the potential of a second wave hitting. Do you get the impression that companies are prepared if a second wave were to hit? 
Oh boy, that's a great question. I think it does depend a little bit company to company, broadly speaking within the innovation space on how, how wide the gap between the waves and what the recovery looks like in the interim. In a best case, companies that are figuring out how to grapple with COVID right now are taking a long view and trying to adjust to a new normal rather than seeing this as a sort of storm to be waited out. Companies who are taking the waited out, this will get better and then we'll go back to business as usual approach. I think they will really be hit hard by any second wave or resurgence or anything like that. Whereas those that are taking a a longer term approach, sort of using this as a painful opportunity to fundamentally shift how they think about doing their innovation and doing business. I think those will be the companies that have the best success. I like how you worded that, a painful opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) Painfully necessary, yep. But on the flip side, on the flip side, I mean, perhaps there is a silver lining. Maybe the pandemic has underscored the importance of personalized nutrition. Oh, that's an interesting concept as well. So, you know, it's funny. Obviously, I know we don't do conventional consumer research itself, but if you if you read in the press, there's a lot of coverage of, at least in the developed world, things like folks using their extra time to do things like very stress-relieving activities, right? Everything from running to baking. And I guess if you combine those two, then maybe a personalized nutrition platform is exactly what you need. <laughs> Uh, But I I guess, all kidding aside, the pandemic really has caused a bump up in the use of things like e-commerce, delivery, and these various customizable options. So we haven't seen a specific shift yet, but the conditions are really ripe for personalized nutrition solutions to, as long as they're meeting those four Ps, to come along and have success and really capture the moment. Mm -hmm. And what's your forecast? What do you foresee happening in terms of personalized nutrition in the next year or two? Oh, the next year or two are tricky. I would say probably we're not going to see any big successes within the next year, but it's possible within the next two to three, maybe even five, that there will be a company that's able to combine all four Ps in a productive way with with that long-term view in mind sort of not trying to get back to pre-COVID life, but thinking about this new global normal. I would say within probably two to five years, we might see something somewhat successful, but it's probably going to take more than a year to get there from who we're aware of at the moment. Mm -hmm. Do you have any other reports, research in the pipeline that you're working on that you can tell us about? Oh, well, uh, personalized nutrition is an ongoing coverage topic that we've been looking at in Lux for, for years. One of the really interesting areas that our research team is continuing to dig into is this sort of integration of digital tools into the consumer world, whether that's artificial intelligence to, to drive algorithms to make better recommendations across all sorts of products and services, the use of IoT to sort of gather data passively and then inform what you should be buying, when you should need it, things like that. It's a really interesting area right now that we've got a lot of ongoing and upcoming research into as well. All right. Well, you will certainly have to keep us updated on all your research. Dr. Sarah Olson of Lux Research, thank you so much for coming on the NutriCast today. Thank you. If you like what you just heard, you can subscribe to the NutriCast on iTunes. And for even more Nutra-related content, you can always head to NutraIngredients-USA.com. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm Danielle Masterson. As always, I'll catch you here on the NutriCast next week.